0: Get your quote today at progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust progressive progressive casualty insurance company and
1: affiliates price and coverage match limited by state law. Giants president of baseball operations, Farhan Zadi is with us on the garlic fries and baseball guys podcast. We hope that you rate review and subscribe Uh, Farhan, maybe this is an extension of an earlier conversation where we're talking a little bit about uh, the concept and the roster construction. Uh, your old team the Dodgers just seems to put a future hall of famer at every single spot <laughs> in the lineup and they're not going anywhere anytime soon so it's not even this year when you look at the way they've constructed themselves and i know you and i know you know this is a big piece of why Giants fans sit there and go come on like they've you know it's it's an all-star in every position how are you planning to counteract that yeah. now and in the years to come
2: yeah i i think it's to your guys' point, whether it's going out and and getting some of those impact players in free agency, when the spot is right, when we have the opening, um, you know, this was a big free agent shortstop class, for instance, but we brought back our, you know, homegrown shortstop who finished in the top five in MVP voting. So sometimes the opportunity and the targets just don't sync up with what you have going internally. Um And I really think we've got to uh, have homegrown talent that is young homegrown talent that's kind of driving the position player group. And, you know, when you look at the Dodgers, when I was there um, from 2015 to 18, that's when we kind of brought in, you know, when Jock Jock was a rookie in 2015, Cody Bellinger came up, we sort of added... Max Muncie and Chris Taylor, um, uh, you know, through different, uh, you know, smaller deals. Kike Hernandez was in a small deal. And it's almost like that group of players, the homegrown players and some of the guys that were sort of, you know, kind of uncovered fines, uh, that provided the foundation, I think, for them to go out and um, start really star hunting with the Mookie Bettses and, and Freddie Freemans of the world. So, Um, you know, I think about, you know, back to 2018 when, you know, my first year in 2019 and a lot of that, a a lot of where we are is sort of setting the foundation where we can go out and sort of add those pieces where we have, you know, the financial structure of the team where we've got, um, you know, enough kind of controllable pieces where you can go do that. Um, and I think we're, we're making progress on that front, you know, with some of the guys that we mentioned And uh, we haven't had that homegrown player the last three or four years, you know, which we're hoping Bart is, which we're hoping Ramos is, you know, and maybe someone unexpected like VR is, you know, if you can kind of combine some of your under the radar finds with some homegrown talent, and then you can kind of start making the big impacts in free agency. I think that's how it all comes together. But, you know, the bottom line is we are going to compete every year We want to be in the playoffs every year. So when I look back over the last three or four years, there was no quote unquote rebuilding cycle. And, you know, maybe there were some missed opportunities to trade away some guys at the deadline and get young talent. But I don't lose any sleep over that because ultimately we're a big market team. And that means competing for the playoffs every year and, um, you know, and just continuing to try to build that foundation.
3: Yeah, I appreciate your your honesty there because I'm looking at Mookie Betts trade tournament. They were made via trades, but it took a long time because they had to fill up that farm and some of those guys had to go out and play Seegers and whatnot. Um, there's obviously rumors of Juan Soto and all these different guys around baseball who might be available. The Mets swing a deal last year for Francisco Lindor, not just in baseball pressure, not just from the Dodgers, but what about like what the other teams in the Bay Area are doing in terms of market share internally, externally? Do you feel the pressure to kind of like sell off some of the young guys to bring in somebody to kind of jumpstart this thing? No, I'm serious.
0: Yeah, you know,
2: it's interesting. There, there's I, I've been asked that a, a lot about, you know, I did uh, an interview with Tim Kawakami last year where he asked about, like, do you need a star in, in you know, on a, on a baseball team to be World Series champion or, or mm-hmm. whatever? And, you know, I just answered, I, I'm not going to say yes or no, I just don't think about it that way, you know? I, I, I want us to kind of construct the best roster possible, and you know i only think of stars in terms of their production you know if somebody's really charismatic or you know has a great twitter account that doesn't mean anything to me to me it's all about you know what is this guy doing to impact the game on the field and help you win games and hopefully that's a guy that fans gravitate to because of their production i mean i do think over the last few years we've paid a lot of attention to character and makeup i think You know, this clubhouse is one of the best I've been around in that in that regard. And I think a lot of credit goes to Cap and the coaching staff for the culture that they've created. But, um, you know, in the end, I'm just never going to feel like, hey, we need to put the cherry on top of this roster. You know, Um, it's always going to feel to me like an evolving process. And um, I actually think a lot of big mistakes that teams have made have been when they get too narrow-minded in their focus. We need a big right-handed bat. We need, you know, a lefty setup guy. Um and I mean, baseball and rosters and the outcomes of the game are way too complicated for any one player or one thing to be a panacea. So, I, you know, I I think, I think as a front office, we view this more as as a, as an evolution and look, uh, there're impact players out there that every team would love to have and you know, we obviously want to be part of that market, um, but I don't think you'll ever see us get too laser focused on on any one player. It's just not, I think, the way that championship baseball teams are built.
1: Um, what kind of trade deadline do you expect this year?
2: That's a really good question. Um, you know, I, I'm still trying to figure out how this uh, expanded, slightly expanded <laughs> playoffs is going to work. You know, you're not hearing a lot of conversation about that. But, um, uh, you know, that's going to be interesting. Um, And it's still, I think, too early to to have the buyers and and sellers really formulating, although we're starting to see some separation in the standings. Um, And I think particularly teams on the selling side might start putting those bulletins out at some point. Um, Look, at the end of the day, I think every competitive team um, really wants to feel like, we have everything we need in-house, and we don't, we don't want to be in a position to feel like we have to make a deal at the deadline. You know That, I think, is the position you want to be in. But at the end of the day, you've got to see where you are in the standings, see where you are health-wise, see where you are roster-wise, um, and understand that you can make a move that's impactful. So we'll see. I mean, when we have everybody healthy, we still really like our roster. We think we've got a really good group of position players that complement each other well. Um, you know, if we have, you know, we've got that seven deep rotation. And so hopefully we, that, that can continue to evolve. And then our bullpen, you know, which had the best ERA in April and, you know, a a really bad ERA in May. And, uh, you know, so, so we'll see how, how that group evolves. We still have faith in them, but we'll just have to monitor each group of our, our team and, and,
0: you know, move to action if, if we think that the right deal is out there. eBay Motors is here for the ride.
3: You know what, we, we love talking to you, and I love your like cerebral look at the game. It's kind of emotionless. You were talking about like the, the batting averages around the league, right? It was 238, I believe, was the league average going through like May 20th. So the lowest in like 60 years. Um, and I, what's going on in baseball? Is the ball dead? You know, everybody's going launch angle, strikeouts. There's all these trends right now in baseball. And I'm noticing like 220 game hit streaks happening this week. So you're starting to see some con- uh, contact come back. I guess where I'm going at with this is, What do you think is the next trend? Forget for this year. Like the next trend over the next couple of years, shifting was very much in vogue, you know, using that starter who would come in for like an inning or two, very much in vogue, the way bullpen sophistication has gotten. What do you think the next trend is in baseball, if you had to put your finger on it?
2: Well, uh, first of all, I'd say that uh, I appreciate, and I know you mean it in a complimentary way. That I have this emotionless take on baseball. Oof. I need to have you talk to my wife, who has to endure me watching our games, whatever she thinks I'm emotionless. <laughs> but uh,
3: well, I'm also um, irrationally emotional. So I'm yeah, I, I got I
2: got plenty of that in me. Don't uh, you've got to take my word <laughs> for it on that. But you know, you mentioned shifting, and I really think one of the most interesting developments over the next couple of years, which is going to start impacting things next year, is just going to be how any limitations on shifting impact player production and evaluations. Mm -hmm. You know, so uh, a couple of examples, like look at a a player like Jock Peterson, you know, left-handed power pull hitters are the guys who over the recent history of baseball have been most negatively impacted by shifting. Um, you know, I remember when I was with the A's about 10 years ago, Brandon Moss was one of our best players. And I mean, he, you know, I think somebody did a study that the shift cost him like 80 points of batting average is unbelievable. And, um, so, you know, this off season are guys like that going to be more in demand because, um, you know, they're going to get some of that value back. You look at the pitching side with ground ball guys, um, you know, right now, ground ball guys are a real boon because you can put your fielders wherever you want. You know, once you have limitations, are more balls going to get through on those guys? Um, you know, Andy Bagley wrote a great piece about uh, Tyler Rogers recently and, you know, mentioned how difficult it is for us to position behind him. He's an interesting guy because he's a ground ball guy who probably won't be impacted because nobody can figure out how to shift behind them to begin with. So, I think that's going to be one of the most interesting things this offseason. It's going to be talked about a lot next year if the shift gets, quote unquote, banned, as people are talking about players whose production goes up, pitchers who are negatively impacted. And it's all kind of going to make sense once people look under the hood. But I think it's going to be a fun development the next couple of years.
1: Uh, Farhan, I got two quick fun ones on, on your way out the door here. And and you might have already answered this one uh, with uh, with Joe saying uh, the, the emotionless approach. But <laughs> there are so many um, conceptions about you and the way you put it together. What's the biggest misconception about Farhan Zaidi? I, I think it's probably that one. You're right. I think you
2: answered it. I mean, I hope that the guys that I work with never divulge the text threads that we're on during games where I can, I can just be behaving like a a whiny kid when things are going badly. So um, there, there are, uh, there are many times when I have to say, Oh, oh, please disregard that text or something like that. (laughs) So I don't know. They probably, you know, they they probably have their notifications off or something like that when I, when I badger them, that that's probably the biggest thing is, um, you know, we have to be, a little bit detached when we make difficult decisions, but in the heat of competition, when our games are going on, we're as emotional as anybody.
1: Uh, and then the last one, and I will ask this with a wink and a smile, because I know here we are in June, which means it's time for friends to start planning their fantasy football drafts. Uh, Farhan, what makes a good fantasy football commissioner?
2: <laughs> well, I'm in my – I actually have a fantasy basketball league that I've been in for, like, 25 years. That's the one league that I'm uh, a commissioner in. And I like to uh, give a little bit of a suggestion. I like the cloud of suspicion that I'm corrupt, right? (laughs) Like, I don't think you want to be this total – clean, operating, upfront guy. Like, you want a little darkness and intrigue uh, when you're in the commissioner role. You want people to be suspicious of you. And you want to play that up. You want to be on the power trip as a commissioner. So I saw Mike Trout's comments about, uh, about you know, what's now become the infamous Fantasy League. And all I can say uh, to Mike Trout is just embrace it, man. Embrace the darkness of yes. being the commissioner.
3: All right, now I got to ask you. Number one <laughs> overall pick all time. Who are you taking in fantasy basketball of all the players you've ever seen? Who's the guy? Forget baseball. I want to know who your number one overall pick, if you were starting a fan- fantasy team right now, of all the players in the history of the NBA, who would it be?
2: I mean, right now, and again, this is like probably very biased to the presence, it, present. It's got to be honest, right? I mean, this guy's completely insane, like the stat lines he puts up. And, you know, scoring is up. The superstars in the league now versus, you know, 25 years ago when I started – the way they fill up the stat sheet now is not like it was 25 years ago. So uh, that's a tribute to, I mean, we have some un- unbelievable players in the game and uh, you know, my league is like a points plus rebounds plus assist league. It's a basic scoring system. So I love Steph Curry. I love the Warriors. Nobody get mad at me for, for not mentioning him, <laughs> but I've never been in a league that had three pointers uh, as, as a separate category. So that's my excuse for not mentioning him.
1: Any, any Warriors on your team now? You know, I'm trying to think.
2: This past season, I don't think I had one, so I'm going to have to work on that. Yeah. (laughs) It's not a super fantasy-friendly team if you don't have one of the top, you know, two or three guys. Spread it around a little bit and, you know. Otto Porter
3: Jr. is not winning you a fantasy.
0: (laughs) Yeah. I'm
1: I'm blaming them for that, not me. (laughs) (laughs) Perfect. Um, Hey, Farhan, what a ton of fun. Thank you so much for spending this time with us. We really appreciate it. Absolutely, he's been a blast. Thanks, guys. Oh, yeah, the uh, president of baseball operations for the Giants, Farhan Zadi, on garlic fries and baseball guys.